welcome back to another episode of the Rogue's Gent Podcast. This is your boy Thaka Jones, T-H-C-C-A-J-O-N-E-S on all social media. Uh, we are back. Um, we're getting back in the swing of things. Very big things been happening at 242 Creative that have been had uh that have me occupied occupido however you say that uh that's very offensive but i'm sorry uh yeah so we're getting the podcast back on track and doing our thing with it uh we're going to be coming back weekly every wednesday that we're going to release and we're going to have new episodes make sure you listen to jackson transplants as well make sure you listen to geeked up uh 242 produces all of those and yeah man uh really good uh podcast really exciting yeah, so we're going to get into it. I have a, uh, this is her second time on the show. Yeah, you must like me. I do, I do, I do. You are a uh, very cool guest. The first time has been about two years. It's been too long. Ah, has it been that long? It's been that long. We were in Offbeat. Yeah, we like 45 now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, I got crows feeding everything. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to let her introduce herself like we do all guests on the Rogers Gent. So go ahead. What's happening, everybody? It's your girl, comedian Rita Brent, a.k.a. the Patty Peck Honda Lady. That's what people call me now in the oh, store. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> they don't even know my name. It's like, hey, Patty Peck Honda girl. Like, yeah, I am. <laughs> That's me. But yeah, so Rita, uh, if you don't know, she's a very big comedian in uh, Mississippi right now. Uh, I'm willing to say the biggest comedian in Mississippi right now. Mm, okay. I, I am I am uh, designating you the biggest comedian in Mississippi. Me, a person who is not in that industry at all, uh-huh. I've decided that. So <laughs> you get, everybody else gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you could just put that uh, boom on your flyers and everything. Yeah. But yeah, so Rita, um, she's uh, very talented. She has been. Uh, at the Apollo, she has been on uh, TV with uh, Comedy Central as well as True TV. You know what's the craziest thing about True TV? What's it? It's called True, True TV, but all their shows are super scripted, maybe like the tow truck uh, show and stuff. Yeah, maybe it's like an intentional oxymoron. I don't yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it is. But yeah. like the first time I saw that um, that tow truck show. Like, the lady with the dreads, uh-huh. like, she threw a dude off a building or something. Oh, and I'm okay. like, okay, this is obviously <laughs> fake. Not true. <laughs> yeah, right. like, this is this is very scripted. But, yeah. So, what's been, what, what's what's up? What's been going on? Well, I'm excited. I'm going to be on the season two of Laugh Mobs Laugh Tracks on True TV. So, those stories are true. Yeah. They recruit comedians from all over the world to tell these comedic stories. And what they do is they bring them to life. It's super duper cool. So, on um, season one... My Miss Shirley joke went viral where I was talking about uh, having a student when I was a substitute teacher had a young name, had an old name, but she was like in kindergarten. So her name is Miss Shirley. And that's actually true. I was a substitute for a kindergarten class. I don't know if her name was Shirley, but it was an old name. Like Inez. Yes, it's some Dorothy, some shit like that. And I, I was like, man. And I didn't think about it. Till later, like after I stopped teaching and became a comedian, then I thought, oh, well, I can write about this, you know. So it was interesting having to go back and dig for content after I became a comedian. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time, I wasn't thinking I was going to be able to, I wasn't going to be telling the story on TV one day. Yeah. 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 How did you get hooked up with them? With True TV? Yeah. They actually saw me at a comedy club in Hollywood, California. Okay. And I think they got me toward the end. Like, they were about to wrap up the season, and they selected me, and I had to send in – you send in three-minute stories. Uh, it, it has to be at least three minutes, and then it has to be very visible, you know, visual, uh, detailed. You have to be able to 
whatever you say, they have to be able to play it out on camera. You know, so it has to be very descriptive is what I'm trying to say. And so, yeah, they saw me at that comedy club. It was like a competition, and they picked me for two stories. So it was Miss Shirley and then the number two shoes. I think that's their favorite, but Miss Shirley's clearly the Internet's favorite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. So you, you, you remember how, like, viral it went? Like, how many views or anything like that? Like, it's at, it's at 2.5 million right now, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's damn good. <laughs> yeah. And you did a Heart of the City with Kevin Hart. Yes, a couple years ago now, that yeah. memory just popped up again. But yeah, Kevin Hart was here in Jackson, Mississippi, yeah. which I just thought was outrageous. I just never, hell, you know, sometimes like the people you know about Mississippi, yeah. other than the, the the horrible slave narratives they still, you know, try yeah. to perpetuate. But Marvin Hunter, who was on Heart of the City, was responsible for getting Kevin and uh, Joey here. Joey produces Heart of the City, and Marvin was like, hey, we got some funny people in Mississippi. Why don't you bring the show here? And that's how Kevin ended up being here. And Heart of the City, that, I think that was my first TV credit. And it really does change things as a comedian when you have a TV credit. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you, like, legit or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, and you've been at it for a relatively short time can, mm-hmm. uh, when, when you think about comedy. How long have you been doing comedy now? Six years. So six years. Because, you know, you see someone and they're like, hey, we got up-and-coming comic, uh, Blase, blase. Then they're like, yeah, I've been doing comedy for 15 years. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. it just seems like, you know, comedy is one of those industries and one of those art forms where it takes a minute to get your feet placed and it takes a minute for you to actually have your star rise and everything. But you're skyrocketing mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, 10 years is what most vets will say is the range for when you really start to find your voice in comedy. Mm-hmm. Like when you get to year 10, it's kind of like the beginning because one through nine or one through 10, that's when you're developing, you know, you're working out material. But as a comedian, you know, it's so fluid for you because your situations and circumstances change in life. So when I started comedy, I was married. So I was telling different jokes. Now I'm divorced. I'm telling different kind of jokes. So that's the great thing. As a comedian, you can shift your material with whatever it is you're going through in life. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to be doing in year 10. Yeah. 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 I'm telling divorce jokes now. <laughs> <laughs> I did not foresee that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I, I never, you know, uh, marriage is supposed to be forever, you know, like forever. But, mm-hmm. you know, life happens. Yeah. Devil is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and you've been putting in a lot of work and you were also named one of the top 50. You were also named one of the top 50 up and coming comedians it's with a uh, Trillist. Thrillist. Thrillist, yeah. It's yeah. called um, Best Undiscovered Comedian in Each State. In Each State, yeah. Yeah. And they saw some of my content on YouTube, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, yeah, we just think you're the undiscovered person in Mississippi and we want to roll with it. And yeah. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, like, really? I'm Just me? Yeah. They're like, yeah. And so a couple of my other homies in other states got it. A woman named Eunice Elliott got it in, in Alabama. But that's great to, to just know how widespread the internet is if somebody can see you on youtube or something like that you know all the way in africa or wherever and it can open so many doors for you like the internet is really really shifting the way things move yeah 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 so all of it you got two specials under your belt no you got three three yeah the first one was uh rita b is the new black rita b is new black that one probably shouldn't count Okay, so you don't want to count it? <laughs> no, and I got this shit on DVD too. Like I just, I, I wish I knew who had bought it. I would take yeah. it back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're not going to count that one. 
So yeah. the second one was All Laughs Matter. All Laughs Matter. That one was decent, mm-hmm. except my last joke, I fucked it up, and it uh, put me in a state of depression for like six months. Oh, wow. Because I was still immature, because I'd only been doing comedy for three years at that yeah. point. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm killing it. I'm going to do another special, yeah. you know? And I did not work out my material in comedy clubs or open mics like you're supposed to. Yeah. And so I was doing some brand new ass material. At your special. At the special. Like, first time ever performing it. And it went well for, like, 70%. And yeah. then my closing joke did not go well. And that shit hurt me to my heart. But right after that, I did a Prince tribute, you know? So I shifted you know, right into something else at the show, but yeah. that was a tough lesson. Okay. Yeah. And then number three was Rita B live at the Alamo. Yes. Best one I've done so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have one coming up again. Yes. This one is called Sip on This Tea. And the sip is in, uh, is a nod to Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm going to be talking a little bit about my identity as a Mississippian, maybe talking about some myths and some truths that involve Mississippi because as I travel, I realize that people have a perception of us that is accurate to an extent, but also to an extent it's not. Uh, oh, yeah, like, crazy. you know, you still have some people that's like, oh, yeah, I got rolls, and I'm like, ha-ha, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. you know, you have some people that's real, really like, hey, you can still get, like, hung down there, right? And I'm like, no, not like not like you think, man. Like, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not 1955. Word, man, I was in Africa in April. Mm-hmm. and uh, What part? Nigeria and Tanzania. Yeah. yeah. So I was in Nigeria, met a Nigerian man, and he's like, where you from? I said, Mississippi. He said, oh, white supremacy. I was like, <laughs> Holy shit. That's the and n- I'm laughing because it's so, Yo, it's so fucked up. In Africa. Yeah. That's what they think yeah, of us. Yeah, thousands of miles away. They're like, like oh. A whole different country. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yep. <laughs> and see, that's one thing where I have this whole theory that Mississippi needs to do a, a rebrand. Because until we do a rebrand, things are going to stay here. But, you know, you have a certain amount of people in power that want things to stay the same way they are. And I tell people all the time, like, you know, when people think about, like, one thing, because I'm really big on Twitter, mm-hmm. is whenever something about racism comes up, everybody like, well, this is racist, but it ain't like Mississippi racist. And I'm mm-hmm. like, when people are comfortable enough to accept that place is that that means you have a problem. Yeah. And, you know, you have to get people to kind of, like, you have to do something about that. Like, you can't mm-hmm. be stubborn and say, well, we're working on things. No, you have to make an outward uh, effort to do that. Kind of like, um, and one thing I always reference is, you remember Django? Mm-hmm. And when, you know, he was telling King Shows, like, hey, I got to go get my wife. And he's like, where are your wife? And he's like, Mississippi. And then the, the next scene is Mississippi that crawls by with, slaves walking barefoot in the mud mm-hmm. with chains, you know? Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, yeah, it's Mississippi. So, yeah, I, I definitely think we need a rebrand, and I definitely think, like, people like you are helping out because you're reaching a worldwide audience, and you're showing people, like, hey, you know, it's not it's not like that. Chris Rock had a whole little bit about us in his last special. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, I did, on Tamarine. Yes. Yeah. That's, it hurt. Like, it hurt my feelings. Yeah. I love Chris, but I was yeah. like, damn, like, I'm from, I live in Mississippi, yo, it's not that bad. Yeah. But I'm like, all right, well, that's what everybody's going to believe because Chris Rock is saying it. It's Chris, fucked up, man. I read a Rolling Stone interview, and, you know, you know, one of his most famous jokes is the uh, niggas and black folks mm-hmm. thing. And he was like, yeah, I, he stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. He stopped doing that bit. And he said the place he stopped doing it in was after a show in Biloxi. Oh. And I'm like, shit. 
Yeah. Yeah, you know, because he was like, you I know, people weren't that laughing. Somewhere. Yeah, like, he was like, people weren't laughing at it. They were like, kind of enjoying it a little too yeah. much. And he was like, yeah, let me, let me, let me come back off of this one. Yeah. So, Oprah, yeah. Oprah said she had that same realization. She had a Grand Wizard or something on her show. Yeah. And so some more KKK folks was in the audience like, yo, what up? Like, yeah, like, what's pre- good? appreciate the exposure on yeah. the Oprah Winfrey yeah. show. And so know, she's like, she'll never do that We're just only again. on the biggest daytime show in America. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, so the rebranding, so I don't know where it happened with movies, like instead of Time to Kill, Time to Live. So this is my idea. <laughs> this is part of my idea. Now, anybody from like the Mississippi Development Authority, if you would like to pay me money as a consultant, you could pay me, but I'm gonna give this out for free. Other okay. than get Phil Bryant the fuck out of office. Well, yeah. yeah. Anybody who supports like the Confederate son, the sons of the Confederacy, anything like that, they gotta go. Uh-huh. Okay, but uh, yes, and I said that, and I don't care if your great 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 granddaddy fought in that war. Uh, him dying <laughs> led me to be free. It's our heritage. <laughs> yeah, it ain't about hate. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> well, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah, fuck your <Enrique's> granddaddy. <laughs> So, of course, getting rid of the flag, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of like day one. Because it's kind of like, you know, once once somebody kind of takes that and makes it their own and does some despicable stuff with it, it's kind of like, it's you know, like, you, mm-hmm. you kind of got to get rid of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, Are we the only state still flying it? Yes. That is a goddamn shame. Yeah. I talked about that in my last special. Yeah. I said something to the effect that Phil Bryant is holding on to the flag like it's a pair of old drawers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, uh, it's kind of like when you walk into somebody's office somewhere and they got, like, uh, some cotton on their desk and you like, yo, what's, you know, and they're just like, yeah, you know what it is. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's just uh, changing the flag, focusing on a industry outside of agriculture, that will bring highly skilled workers and keep young people. Okay. That's just two. So retain millennials. Retain millennials. I mean, retain anybody that's, you know, that, like for, well, we'll get into that. But, okay. you know, but you just have to retain people to stay here because, you know, you, you're you losing fifteen to 20,000 people a year. Mm-hmm. You're losing highly skilled workers to other places and you know you can't really build if you don't have anybody to build anything with Mm -hmm. but as far as just finding an industry saying okay this is going to be our thing and instead of like trying to just get like a plant or something just invite like plenty of people from the industry and everything and say hey this is how you can invest here and just build from there. That's just two of them. And I and you know, I don't do any kind of planning or anything. So I'm sure these people know this stuff. It just depends on, you know, if yeah. anybody wants to do it and anything like that. So mm-hmm. and speaking of people moving. What happened? Who, uh, who did it? I'm talking about you. What happened? You, yeah, you, man. You're you're leaving us. Yes. Which yes. I don't, which you kind of got to do. Well, you, you, you don't kind of, you got to. It's long overdue. Yeah. If you would ask anybody in the industry, yeah. when I tell them I live in Mississippi, the reaction is always like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are stifling yourself yeah. or keeping yourself from getting as much exposure as you could. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, somebody asked me on Facebook today, why move? And it's because the entertainment industry is already well established in a place like New York or mm-hmm. L.A., whereas here in Mississippi, 
I have to create things from scratch. We have to cultivate things. And, and it is great to have been able to do that since I've been here. But it's also good to be able to just go somewhere where shit is already set up mm-hmm. and then jump in where I fit in and just, you know, try to benefit from a system that's already in place. Then you have a lot more eyes on you because in yes. New York you got millions. Ver- like You have three million people in Mississippi, but you literally have like... I don't know exactly how many people are in New York, but you have like 10 million people in a city. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that's that's a really big difference. Yeah, tons of comedy clubs. You know, I'm trying to get on late night TV. Mm-hmm. I would like to be the first black female late night host at some point. Mm-hmm. So I have to get some visibility at some point. And I also have to sharpen myself. Yeah. Because in Mississippi, I'm kind of in a box as far as the kind of material I can tell, you know, I'm real churchy and super duper clean and I want to be more edgy in my comedy, comedy yeah. to be honest. You yeah. know, I've been getting labeled as a gospel comedian that I am not. Yeah. So I don't want to get stuck in a box here and it's really easy to do that. You know, to my advantage, mm-hmm. I could be doing church tours and all that, but I have much more to say than whatever I can say in the church. Yeah. So get to New York, comedy clubs, comedy rooms, uh, access to late night TV, which is what I want, agents, you know, just the opportunities are endless there. Yeah. Movies, whatever. And one of your real big uh, mentors is Ricky Smiley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did y'all set up that relationship? Well, uh, Bruce Ayers, who is the owner of the Stardome Comedy Club mm-hmm. in Birmingham, Alabama. I was at an open mic competition there a few years ago. Bruce's wife saw me uh, at the competition and said, hey, I want to introduce you to my husband, Bruce. Turns out Bruce is the same guy who introduced Ricky Smiley to Steve Harvey when Ricky was just getting started. Okay. And Bruce met me and was like, I need to introduce you to Ricky Smiley because he's going to love you and, you know, he could take you under his wings. And that was in 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ricky saw me and was like, yo, I love you. I'm going to put you on all my stuff. And that's three years ago. And we still have a very strong relationship. You know, I call him, text him, ask him for advice. And he's You've been, been on, the, on the radio show before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ricky Smiley morning show. Um, and he's been telling me forever, you need to get out of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he's based in Birmingham, he he's also based in Atlanta. And now, of course, he's taken over for Tom Joyner, so he's going to be moving to Dallas. Yeah. But the first big move he made was at the request of Steve Harvey, which was to move to Dallas and take over Steve's radio show. Mm-hmm. So Steve is responsible for getting him into this big syndicated thing that he's doing now. And so Ricky has been urging me forever to get out of Mississippi. Yeah. And, and it's not you know, it's not a, it's not a, a ding, you know. Yeah. It's not an insult. You know, Mississippi is just, it might be great for blues artists or whatever, but as far as comedy, we just don't have a lot of comedy stuff here. And I think more people have to kind of realize that with what you're doing as far as entertainment-wise, like, yeah, you can stay here and build, but like you said before, it's just a lot easier to go to where, hey, this has been established for 80 years already you know you don't like you're not having people that have to build like production studios or trying to set up things like they're like nah I can just go to uh, Rockefeller Plaza and go to Mm -hmm. NBC you know what I'm saying like it's just stuff like that we talk I mean I read about Malcolm X being on the streets of Harlem Mm -hmm. you know hustling in New York like there's just more opportunity for you to get picked up there. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lewis, who's the the mother on Blackish, she yeah. she has this, the the book Mother of Black Hollywood, which is the most amazing book I've ever read. Yeah. But her climb began in New York. She went when she was very young, straight out of college, and she got on Broadway. And I mean, shit, she just blew up. I got a uh, 
I got a crush on Jennifer Lewis. I understand why. Yeah. But tell me why. Because she was on The Breakfast Club one time. And I read some of that book, too. And she was like, you know, I used to just take a man. I'd be like, you come here and spend the night with him. I'm like, oh, Miss yes. Lewis. Yeah. She you know, is, she just she real. She's not ashamed about her yeah. sexual history. Yes. Yeah. And she like, I like older women anyway. Mm-hmm. How, she, how much older? Uh, I, want them, I want them in kitten heels. Oh, hell no. Yeah, I want them in, <laughs> I want them in kitten heels. And I want them to wear slips. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> that's that's how that's and knee highs. Neat slips and knee highs. <laughs> and I want them to sprinkle uh white bath diamond. and body work. Not white, not that old. Well, oh uh, yeah, old. if you talking about kitten heels, that's white diamonds. I bro. mean, you know, you got some. They don't that. wear bath and body work because they get some oh. shit from Walgreens. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, uh, right before that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she just she's uh she's a legend in black Hollywood. She's a legend in Hollywood and yeah, she's always been someone that I've always like really respected and everything. And every time I see him, I'm like, oh, there go Jennifer Lewis. So yeah. And she can still do a damn split and kick she, her when leg she showed her on, on the when she was on the Breakfast Club and they're yeah. like, do it now. And she was like, shit. Shit, like, you ain't oh. said nothing but a thing. Right, yeah. I was in You there. need to listen to her audiobook. Yeah. I mean, it was like transformative for me. Because she got that real strong voice too. She does. Yeah. It's sincere. She talked about her struggle with bipolar. Mm-hmm. But just hearing her talking about her climb in New York, you know, getting roles and not getting roles and trying out for roles and people she was cool with getting the roles and all this mm-hmm. while she was bipolar. Very, very powerful testimony. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know who else I like? Who? CCH Pounder. Who is it? You, you've seen her before. She, you remember The Shield? Let me Google right quick. Yeah. You've seen her before. Uh-huh. She's always a mom on a video. I mean, on a movie or something. Yeah. People might confuse her with Loretta Devine sometimes. Yeah. And, of course, the signal sucks in here. Yeah. It's, it's like very, it anything. sucks in here very much. So, yeah. CCH Pounder. Okay. Yeah, CCH Pounder. What a name. It's, uh, I forgot why she said... Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know CCH Pounder. Yeah. Carol Christine Hilaria Pounder. Yeah, yeah. It's like... You got a crush on her, too? Yeah, I love her. So you you don't like anybody young or your age? I do. Okay. Yeah, but like, I want like... You just want to suck long titties? I'm trying to understand. Yeah, I like uh, CCH Pounder. I want to cook her eggs in the morning. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How you, how you think that she would want them... Prepare like scrambled. She like a little cheese on them. A little cheese. Yeah. So but she not that much gas. salt. She because you know her sodium, not that much salt. <laughs> and cholesterol. And like, cholesterol. Yeah. You got to do your research if you go fool old ladies, bro. I know, right? <laughs> she gonna have a hot <laughs> flash. I gotta good. keep my house real cold. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I can't stand no cold ass house. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so. Okay. Boom. All right. So you moving to. New York, you know where you're going to stay? What part? Brooklyn or Queens. Brooklyn or Queens. Yes, because everywhere in New York is expensive as hell. What's the What's the cheapest you've seen so far? 1300 Oh, that got to be like a hole. It, and if it were 800 it was like, yeah, you can sleep in the bathroom. Yeah. Four hours a week. I mean, it's, just, it's yeah. insane. The square footage is 500 here, 600 here. Yeah. Like, I have a three-bedroom house right now. 
So this is going to be an adjustment. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully only temporarily. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I hear, you know, some homies like, oh, I'm sleeping in my car. Like, I ain't finna be doing that shit. Yeah. You know, I'm going to grind and I'm going to hustle. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to maybe having a smaller space. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I have a three-bedroom house and two rooms, just junk rooms. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if I have a smaller space, then I won't have room to put a bunch of shit. Yeah. And I, won't, I can't hoard, you know? I will just have to keep the necessities. It used to be a show on HBO called How to Make It in America mm. that I used to love. And it was about these two guys that were hustling in New York and they came up with a uh, T-shirt. Well, they came up with a T-shirt brand and it was called Crisp. Mm. And they were trying to like slang T-shirts and everything. And everybody that I know from New York and everybody I know that's been there and said was like, yeah, this is like the most accurate representation they've seen of New York at that time. Because this was like 2010, too. Uh-huh. So you got to remember that. But they're like, yeah, that's really how it feels when you're there. Yeah. So, yeah, like it was a really it was a really dope show. Like mm-hmm. it just lasted two seasons, but like it was incredibly dope. Like it was really, really good. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing this show, mm-hmm. uh, like a going away show as a fundraiser so I can pay up my rent. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you for <laughs> yeah, sure. Like I was like, man, you know, yeah. I need some money. Yeah. Before I go out there yeah. like a you, you're, you're not just like, hey, it's Friday. Cash out me $5. Yeah, nah. Yeah. 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 So I'm putting on a good show. So it's an exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Like you <laughs> get y'all a good show. You I help me money. move. Yeah, I can live. <laughs> it was either that or go fund me. Yeah. I mean, do a show. Do a yeah. show. Yeah. Even though I, although I, I might do a go fund me at some point just for the hell of yeah. it to see yeah. people yeah. give money. I'm, I'm always. Just kind of uh, intrigued by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the types of things people will contribute to on GoFundMe. Yeah. So you say you wanted to get into edgier comedy. What, what, like, what, what's some of the things you like talk about? What's some of the things you've been workshopping? Uh, I'm talking a lot about my divorce mm-hmm. and the specifics of it. Like, you know, like I didn't like sucking dick. You know, like I'm getting all into that. Yeah. Just things, and I can't, I can't talk about that in church. Yeah, you can't yeah, talk was, about that in the church. Nah, yeah. Nah. yeah. You can't be like, hey, I did not enjoy uh, fellatio. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Like it ain't no way to say that. Uh, yeah. Godly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so talking about that a little bit. Uh, more racism. Uh, more mm. racial content. Uh, sexuality as well. Mm. You know. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that I've been bisexual for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to get into that as well. And I can't do that in Mississippi. Yeah. You know, the yeah. only the only time I really talked about my sexuality was once in New York at a show. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't no big deal. Yeah, like, oh, and yeah. I'm cool. like, oh, okay. Join the club. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in Mississippi, it'd be like a scandal or some shit. Cause you know, that was one thing that yeah, you haven't really ever talked about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about it the other week at Offbeat, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, well, offbeat is offbeat though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know, there's a uh monthly funny for the free comedy show on Wednesdays hosted by Merck B. Williams, very good friend. Um and yeah, a lot of people workshop there, but it's usually you, Nardo, Black Tastic, mm-hmm. Merck B. Williams, like two other comics and everything. Yeah. And like offbeat is a really cool space. Uh they they have an ad on this podcast so yeah mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah but i'm excited about that to just be more free and more honest do you feel better that you are able to live in your truth more through your art hell yeah yeah because at any in hell in any other situation like if i were a politician or something it, it could be detrimental to their yeah. bottom line but as a comedian you can just talk about all that stuff you know richard pryor 
talked about his cocaine usage, mm-hmm. being on acid. He talked about domestic violence. Yeah. He talked about beating his woman. You know what I'm saying? Like all through comedy. And because it's coming to you in the form of comedy, it's a little softer. Yeah. You know, the, the truth is massaged a little more. So, yeah, it is a huge advantage for me to be able to talk about things that might otherwise be scandalous mm-hmm. in a funny way, but also in a therapeutic way for me. And it gives people an opportunity to understand me more as a person. What's the most ignorant thing you've heard someone ask you about Mississippi when you were like in a bigger city or something? Uh, are we still enslaved? Yeah. Y'all free? Y'all still they still got slaves down there? Yeah. I'm like, huh? And were with they straight, like joking with a or were they face? like, oh, okay. With a straight ass yeah. face. Yeah. 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 Oh, y'all wear shoes? I know y'all wore shoes. I'm like, huh? Mm-hmm. What what are we? Barbarians? Like, mm-hmm. what's what you mean? Like you, you look at me. My only thing with people when they do that is they'll be like, huh, it's not Mississippi, but I'm like, my nigga, you in like Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or you're in Georgia because Georgia is basically Mississippi East, Hell but yeah. you just got Atlanta. I th- are they in the lead as far as most lynchings? I think uh, Georgia it's between, is. It's Georgia or Mississippi. Yeah. Like, I think, but I think they got it. Well, yeah. yeah. Georgia is basically, like, once you leave outside of like Atlanta, mm-hmm. you're basically in. Uh, Puck it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, no, no. Well, you're basically in Rankin County. Like, I don't feel safe in Alabama either. Like, I, I, when yeah, I'm traveling Alabama, no. and I stop by them damn gas stations, yeah. I'd be, I be feeling them eyes on me. Yeah. You know? I'd be like, mm-mm. Like, like, mm, you got a black guy. Great tattoo on his chest or some shit. Yeah. I'd be scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, fuck it, I'm just, I'm just going to get out of here. <laughs> five, five on five. Yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I get yeah. to Birmingham or somewhere bigger. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, did you think about L.A. as a possible destination, too? Yes. Um, it's just a little too far for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that my plan is to be in New York for like a year and a half, two years, and then transition to L.A. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been to New York several times to do comedy. i only done comedy in L.A. once. But I feel a certain uh, peace when I'm doing comedy in New York. And it feels like a place where I can grow. Because you did the Apollo. Yes. So, how did uh, that go down? It went well. I mean, of course, I was a little anxious about, mm. all right, Mississippi girl, my material, and shit. It went over well. Like, yeah. I was the closer. Did It was only 20 minutes, you know, mm. but it was a diverse audience. And for the most part, everybody was laughing. Like, it was a really, really strong show. And I'm like, all right. Did you I, rub the I log? Well, I was in the Apollo Comedy Club, so they, oh, okay, didn't have, okay. they didn't have the log in the club. Okay. The, the auditorium was right behind us. Okay. Because, th- listen, another woman I was in love with, Kiki Shepard. Oh, yeah. Chocolate Thunder. Oh, boy. I used to stay up to 11.45 on a Saturday night to watch the Apollo. Yeah, I used to stay up watch Apollo, too. I did not, however, stay up late to watch Saturday Night Live as a kid. Yeah. Like, I'm just now getting into Saturday Night Live. So, I watched Saturday Night Live during the mid-90s when it was, like, Sherry O'Terry, Tim Meadows, uh, Will Ferrell, Daryl uh-huh. Hammond, and everything. Like, like, I always watched Saturday Night Live, weirdly. Mm-hmm. It was three things that I always watched. I always watched Saturday Night Live. I always watched this show that used to come on HBO called Dream On that I shouldn't have been watching. Was it freaky? It was freaky. It was very freaky. It was about oh. like a dude. He was like, worked for an advertising agency. It was, it was basically like single male sex in the city before sex in the city. Oh. But it was a comedy show. And I used to always watch uh, Kids in the Hall. Okay. On Comedy Central. How old are you? I'm 32. I was way too young watching Kids in the Hall. Right, like we we the same age. Yeah, like, none of this shit ring a bell. Now I was watching Real Sex on HBO. I was watching been. Real Sex was mostly just old dudes in the desert jacking off around each other. Yeah, and but, orgies. And orgies, but I will say this: it was one episode 
Miss Black New DC. Uh-huh. I will always remember this. And <laughs> I will always remember this. And one of the dancers, her name was Entice. Uh-huh. Because I remember when she came out, they were like, Entice! And like the <laughs> song and everything. Yeah. And, and listen, Entice, if you ever hear this, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you made the fifth grade very special for me. Holy shit, boss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's crazy. I wonder what she looked like now. Uh, How old my, was she? She was, was she like she was in her twenties then. She had to be in her twenties then. So now that was I was in the fifth grade in ninety eight. So, yeah. well, I, I will not she, disclose. She the perfect age I, for me. I like her. That well yeah. in the forties. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I was totally like sneaking around watching Real Sex. Like couldn't wait. Yeah, and I you used put, to watch you, it like it was a soap opera for me. And you and you turn it down real low, and you put another channel on last. Yeah, your mother, you just change. Flip real, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but when you watch a freaky stuff, you gotta have the volume down. You gotta have it. It don't I'll be sound feeling like God you know. listening to somebody yeah. listening for yeah. turn the volume down. But yeah, I used to watch uh, Kids in the Hall. So Kids in the Hall was um, the sketch comedy show by these four uh, comedian guys, mm-hmm. and like Dave Foley. Uh, I know a bunch of them. I can't think of their names right now. But um, yeah, it was really funny, but it was like really weird, uh-huh. and it kind of like shaped. My like humor and everything, so okay. like, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And I remember they had a movie that came out, and I was like, hey, can you go take me to see that movie? Mom, I'm not gonna take you to go see an R-rated movie. Like, what the fuck wrong with you? Like, what uh-huh. you been watching? And I was like, oh, y'all been watching Kids in the Hall, and yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Didn't go well. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. I had to go Google that. I know it's on YouTube somewhere. Oh yeah, they got four episodes Kids on uh, Nerdist, the Nerdist channel. They have like four episodes and like the cat, some of the cats like talking about like. You know the episode and stuff like that. But okay. Yeah. That's yeah, what's yeah. up. So you gonna do the podcast while you up there? Uh, I hadn't decided yet. Mm-hmm. So is the podcast coming back or? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Don't have time for it right now. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I hopefully I don't have time to do no damn podcast. Hopefully yeah. I'll just be gigging so much and it, make making money. <laughs> it's so weird seeing the evolution of podcasting now because. I certainly came in it during like the middle of it. Like we've been doing podcasting for about four years now, mm-hmm. and I really say three because I took a whole year off doing stuff. But like you know, it was very still like a thing you didn't just see around that much. But now, like literally, everyone has podcasts. Yeah, yeah. About very specific things. Yeah, podcast is the new podcasting is the new mixtape. Yeah, you right about that. Yeah. It's so many to choose from, man. Yeah. But it's so crazy because certain podcasts, everybody has their own audience. Yeah, that's true. And you can literally talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. And if somebody's interested, you got you got an audience. You so got an audience. It's neat. Yeah. And I think it's a, a threat to radio in a sense. Yeah, I believe so as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so as well, for sure. Well, if people just want to hear people talk about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I still prefer public radio. Yeah, and you yeah. came from public radio, actually. Yes. Yeah. So like with commercials and shit, like I don't, I'm not a big fan of commercial radio, even though you get way more listenership through commercial radio just because yeah. of the music and yeah, uh, it's more entertaining. But I love public radio; super informative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everything. Why? Why do they talk in that voice? That hey, how are you doing today? This <laughs> is gardening with uh, Rita and. 
I'm Terry Gross. This is Fresh Air. Yeah. I don't know, but I found myself doing that shit when I was on public radio. I had a, I had a public radio voice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah almost kind of like phone sex, but not quite. Yeah. Let me ask you this. How do, how does like commercial radio, how do they develop that? Like, hey, what's up, you guys? It's Thucker Jump. How do they develop that voice? It's very intentional. Yeah. Uh, because I did an internship at commercial radio and I was told that I, I sounded too newsy. Yeah. In other words, bitch, you need to holler. And mm-hmm. I wasn't finna holler. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a difference between hollering and just being energetic. And that's because not not my personality. So yeah. that's it's the essence of commercial radio. You have to be excited, energetic, folks going to work, folks getting off work, folks on the lunch break. You know, so you are kind of the shift in people's days. So yeah. I get it, but not necessarily my style. But, you know, I know some people on commercial radio that sound completely different in person. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I I know a, a couple. Yeah. Same for me when I'm on stage. Yeah. My voice is a little different. It's more country and like I don't know, yeah. old church lady or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's some what a piece what is some advice that you receive like out on the road doing comedy and everything that's like kind of like stuck around in your mind for you or like being really helpful for you? Uh, have fun. Ricky, mm-hmm. that's Ricky's biggest piece of advice to me is have fun. Mm-hmm. It sounds very simple. But I, there was a point when I was super militaristic and I was writing my sit down on my hand or index cards. One time I brought a big ass poster and laid it on the floor with my joke bullet points. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm not having fun. I'm, I'm too worried about reciting and I'm not leaving room for Im- improv. So Ricky always says, have fun. His other piece of advice to me was let your humor be natural and organic because he saw me with a little bottle of Jack Daniels the first time we met. He yeah. was like, what you doing with that? You don't need that. Let it be natural. And I was like, oh, okay. So now I don't drink while I'm on stage or yeah. before I'm on stage and may or may not drink afterwards. So one thing, you know, I write in like, you know, short stories or like video treatments or anything. But how do you write a joke? That's one thing I've never like grasped. All right. So everybody has a different process. So some of my homies... They can come up with a joke idea or a premise, as we call it, and get on stage and just work it out via a stream of conscience, you know, consciousness. I can't do that. I am very formal. I write all my shit down, especially when I have a special. I write my jokes out word for word because I want to make sure that there aren't words in there that I don't need. Or if there are words in there that I do need, I need to put them back. Uh, I'm listening to the rhythm. You know, sometimes I may rhyme a word or two. I record it go back and listen to it and that really really helps me when I listen to my own self telling jokes and I'm like oh I could have said that or that's not funny I need to take that out so my process is really you know tedious if you will because that's Um, what I wonder like when you say you write your you know jokes out line for line I'm like okay so you like I went to the house and this bitch was naked. And he like, when I do know. a special, yes. Yeah. When I do a special, I, my document at the end is like ten pages long for you a know? joke. Yeah, bullet bullet point, yeah. not just for one joke, oh, but, but for your, for the whole hour. Yeah. it'll be ten pages long. How long does it take you to come up with an hour? Shit, months. Because I've heard Louis C.K. months say to it years takes him like a year. Yeah, months to years, especially if you're working it out in comedy clubs. So what I'm doing now is kind of risky. I'm working out during shows that I'm being paid for when I prefer to just go to an open mic, you know, and work it out that way where I'm not getting paid. 
Uh, but when I had taught this class at Tougaloo, and this was the first time I actually kind of taught comedy, and uh, I, I pulled up, it's like a little cycle, and this could be applied to anything, even if you're a poet or whatever, if you're any kind of artist. My idea was you experience something painful or just some everyday happening, you know, just observation, whether you're having a conversation with somebody, something might pop up in your head, make a comedic make a comedic argument or tell a story about that experience, um, uh, perform it, you get the, get the feedback, you're gonna sink or swim, and then you tweak it and start the process all over again. So for me, when I'm talking to people, my radar is on, and if I get an, uh, an idea, a joke idea, I'll instantly message myself on Facebook. And then at the end of the month, I copy all of the joke ideas from that month and transfer them to a document and then go through it and see all right, what has potential, and then I'll work with it like that. That's a pretty solid process. Yeah. It's yeah. long, though. Yeah. Long process. Like, my July, like, right now, I have July joke premises. It's, like, 100. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, shit, I don't want to go through all Like, what was I thinking? But sometimes I just get on stage and just kind of take a premise and work it out right then and be like, oh, okay, they bit. See if the audience is going to bite. Mm-hmm. And it hurts when you think you got a good joke. And it ain't good. You like, bombed it. Damn. You bombed it. Yeah, I bombed. I bombed before. You need to bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Wake your ass up. Make you not be complacent. Yeah. You know, Dave Chappelle talk about still bombing, but the thing I heard him say that was the deepest ever to me was the beauty is in the attempt. So you don't just rely on material you've been telling forever. The beauty is attempting new stuff, and then it's so rewarding when you try some new stuff and it actually works. So that's where I am now. Like, I don't want to get stuck in that vein where I'm telling the same jokes five years from now. Yeah. 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 Even though you had a favorites, you know what I'm saying? Like, I do Sanctified Tits, everybody like that shit. It's a few of them that are, like, staples in my set. But, you know, as I grow as a, as an adult, my material should change. Because yeah. my circumstances are changing. Yeah. Yeah. So, we've been talking here and everything. Um, tell the people how they can reach you. Uh, you know, shows you had coming up, how they can, you know, buy tickets for the special that's coming up. Like, just let them know this this is all you right now. All right, here we go. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Rita Brent Comedy. That's R-I-T-A-B-R-E-N-T Comedy. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My website is RitaBrent.com. I have some merchandise on there. I have some Dear Heavenly Father and Impeachment Jesus shirts, some student loan Jesus shirts, some Rita B fans. But the big thing I want you to do is go to Eventbrite and get tickets for my going away show, if you will, Sip on This Tea. It's happening Saturday, September 28th at the Alamo Theater in the historic Fair Street District. I intentionally have my show there because I want to bring glory back to that area. So get your tickets right now. The VIP tickets are almost sold out. Like we over 50% sold out VIP tickets, but you can get general admission tickets on Eventbrite. Sip on this tea Saturday, September 28th. You coming? I'm coming. All right. You I'm might coming. be working. I think I hired 242 to take pictures. <laughs> oh, yeah. I might yeah. I might just be working. Yeah. yeah. Man. Like, I might just be working. Um, Maybe we could do like an interview thing, get some backstage interviews or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. That would be awesome. I'll go live or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I just want to thank you for coming again. Uh, wish you, you all the luck. Uh, you're going to do huge things. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling it now out of my uh, very uneducated about this industry knowledge. But mm-hmm. yeah, man, you're doing great. You're skyrocketing right now. And I think the future is looking bright. 
Um, you're you're very funny. You're very talented, and I'm sure you're going to give them hell up there. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on the uh, podcast, and I also respect your creative mind as well. Thank and you. Uh, yeah, can't wait till we finish so I can talk to you about some, some other shit. Okay, yeah, yeah so I we feel can you. work together. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I think creators need to support each other. Oh, for sure. It ain't no competition. You know it, it, it is not a competition. And you know, some and even I get caught up in there sometimes, and I have to step back and say, yo. Not competing against each right. other. This, we're just creating and leaving our work. So when we're not here, people can always say, "Okay, hey, this is what this person did," and That's hopefully, right. people enjoy it. That's right. Absolutely. Appreciate you for having me on, man. No problem. No problem. This has been another episode of the Rogus Gent Podcast. You can listen to us on all digital streaming pl- uh, platforms. There's Spotify. There's Stitcher. That is iTunes. That is YouTube. That is SoundCloud. Yeah, uh, T-H-E-C-A-J-O-N-E-S, Becca Jones, if you want to follow me on social media. Follow the Rogan's Gent RG podcast. That's at Twitter and Facebook. And yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Watch out for the soft music.